Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. NFL fans are, for some reason, excited about preseason football games. College football is considering making alliances like they're on the game Survivor. And my baseball team, the New York Yankees, I should say the new New York Yankees, playing some great baseball. Coming down here into September in the dog days of August. Fingers crossed that they could keep it up at the right time. Still a long way to go, but we could start taking a look now at what's happening in the baseball season. But I'm interested because of the obsessions of football fans. If you have any interest at all, what's happening in preseason football, even as a degenerate, I can't force myself to watch these football games in full watching the third and fourth string quarterbacks that you've never heard of before trying to make the team, the ones going up against twos, such as the Patriots and Eagles game that happened Thursday night, depressing as all hell watching that happen. And every quarterback that was drafted highly touted in this past year's draft, the Trevor Lawrence's the Mac Jones, all seemingly are going to the hall of fame when they take the field for just one game, all of a sudden the Chicago bears are going to win the super bowl. Despite saying that Andy Dalton is going to be their starting quarterback because the guy that they trot out there has a great first game. And now there's no, of course, way that they're going to ever lose again, despite him potentially not playing come week one because of what was said on Twitter. Why are we doing this to ourselves? I don't understand the narratives around these guys yet. I understand there needs to be narratives, but can we just pump the brakes until we get into week one and these guys actually face NFL teams? That's where I'm coming from. I saw that dude play at Ohio State, and we talked about it every week, about how he should have went higher in the draft. There's no reason for him to have fallen to the Chicago bears. And yet that was such the case as my Denver Broncos took a cornerback instead of a quarterback, whether or not that's going to be a good idea. We have not seen yet, but for him to be saying already that the game is moving slow, things are going easy. Look at how simple it is to be the quarterback for the Chicago bears. Why do people put themselves through this year after year? So that's just a long winded way of saying, do you have these same interests early on here in the NFL preseason? First of all, number one, welcome back. 
to all our friends, fans, and friends, as you may or may not know, the big man got engaged while we were away, thus the one-week hiatus for the show. Uh, even our, our, our biggest fan, the one and only Kansas Comet, our version of Kansas Comet, John Birch was texting me, where's the show last week? Had to tell him, my partner got engaged, we're taking the week off. Uh, he's up in some fancy schmancy beach area. For some reason, my fellow member of the bar, delusional for a moment. She said yes. She must have misunderstood the question. It's all I can, it's all I can gather. She must have misunderstood. I am very happy for you. I am very happy for her. I'm glad you had a, a good time off and uh, enjoyed everything with the family. And uh, it is official, folks. John Tanyalon engaged to his beautiful fiance, And uh, after a little sojourn, up the northern coast. He is now back. His Yankees are in first place. But he wants to talk about preseason for, uh, I'm sorry, in the first wildcard position after they blow past the Red Sox. But he wants to talk preseason football. And what do you do when you tell me when you come back? You tell me you have moved much closer again to the old report. You're now where I am. Who cares? When I was 12, 13, 15, 16, 18, 20. Even 20, which was 43 years ago, I used to get excited about watching preseason football, about the fact that it was back, about battle for jobs. I want to see this rookie. I want to see that rookie. I want to see this QB. I want to see this rookie running back, this wide receiver. Now what I want to see? I want to see a preseason where nobody on my team tears an Achilles. I want to see a preseason where nobody has a terrible bout in, in, in anybody's team, but certainly on mine, with, or, or breakouts of the virus. I want to see good health, battle for jobs, everybody get along, no issues, and be ready to rock towards a new 17-game season, which to me is either one game too long or one game too short because you can't have an even number as we've discussed before. So no, I pay very little attention to it as you do. But the one thing that has caught my attention is the aforementioned Mr. Fields. Because as I told Mike Meltzer tonight, and granted, it's not exactly a hierarchy of superstars. It's not exactly a Cooperstown connection. However, I do believe that in the lifetime of the old report, this young fellow has a chance to be the best Chicago quarterback I've ever seen. Again, it's not award-winning. It doesn't make you a Hall of Famer, but I think he has a chance to be that by leaps and bounds. I think he has a chance to be a star, potential superstar, but certainly a star because you know, unlike everybody else with the possible exception of you, I don't throw superstar around. To me, some guys that everybody calls superstars to me are stars. So I certainly think he has a chance to be incredibly successful. I think he has a chance to be a star. And in this day and age, he may just have a chance to be a superstar. It's been a long time since the Bears had a quarterback of record, a quarterback that really got people excited. Jay Cutler for a little bit. Obviously, Jim McMahon with the championship bears and he in and of himself was exciting both on and off the field fighting with management fighting with the coach 
sometimes fighting with teammates, in and out of the lineup, uh, but incredibly successful as wins and losses go. And I just think this is an opportunity that fell in their lap. They seized the moment, traded up to get him, what I think he should have gone, which you did too, uh, higher than he did. Certainly ahead of some of the guys that went. You know, I had him. I had him at a Lance. Uh, couldn't believe that San Francisco did what they did. I'm taking him over Lance in a heartbeat. The BYU kid, I think, has a great deal of potential, but it's BYU, so it, it, it's hard for me to argue with the Jets doing so much homework and coming to their decision with a new head coach. This is his pick, and a kid who was immensely talented. He did play at BYU. He didn't play at North Dakota State. But it's still BYU. It's not one of the big five. But I still would have taken Fields there. They take Wilson. Okay. I think this kid has a chance to be. And to me, that's the most intriguing thing. That's the most interesting thing of the preseason, along with anybody's health. The rest of the quarterbacks, we know what's going to happen. We know that... uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to get beaten up by an awful offensive line. We know that that the Jets are going to be awful uh, because they're the worst team in the division. And they're throwing their young quarterback to the Wolves. They're throwing him into the den with the Lions. And they're going to let him see if he can learn on the run. And hopefully, unlike what happened last year to last year's number one pick, and Heisman Trophy winner, when they threw him in against a bad offensive line. You saw what happened. Hopefully not career-altering. And from everything I've read and heard, it hasn't looked like he's anywhere near back to 100%. Mantle, at the start of this preseason, which is just, I mean, it's heartbreaking because he had a chance to be a great player and got off to a really terrific start for a more of a franchise. And this is what can happen when you throw your young quarterback in without the prop support. And if you're going to throw it 40 times, 50 times. I don't see the Bears doing it because they like to run the ball. And I think Dalton will start the season as the starter. Uh, the Jets are going to throw Wilson out there and let him go. They have another choice. And Trevor Lawrence, same scenario. I hope they're going to 50 times a, day, a game because that spells trouble. You know, it spells Andrew Luck trouble. It spells Jim Plunkett trouble. Uh, you can't let these guys get beat up in their rookie seasons where they're getting pummeled because, one, you don't have the offensive line to protect them, and, two, they're still not that experienced in terms of running a pro offense, understanding pro defenses. And, look, I, I've told you times. I am no super X and O guy in any way, shape, or form. But I think any quarterback worth his salt will tell you the difference between year one and year two and the ability to read defenses, run your offense, protection schemes. If you play the entire time, it's probably got to save you a minimum of, I would think, five or six. Just knowledge, vision, etc., experience alone. Who knows what happens in any one of those five or six sacks? It could be a season-ending injury. It could be a, you know, a season-shortening injury. That's why I hate seeing them get thrown into situations where 
the team doesn't know how to take care of them. That's why I think also Field is in a better position. Bears did make the playoffs last year, remember. The Bears pick high. The Bears traded up to pick. And they've already got a veteran quarterback who's not great. He's not good. He's okay. He's mediocre. And that's not a knock on the Red Rooster. He's, a, he's mediocre. Mediocre's average. It's about what he is. In his prime, he was a little above it. He was probably some, somewhat above average, a little bit above. Now, he's past his prime. So that puts him at mediocre at best. So he holds the fort for a couple of games until the kid's ready. They'll protect him. They run the ball a lot. He's not going to throw it 40 times. Uh, I just think that's the best situation for all the young quarterbacks. And I think other than Lawrence, he is the best young quarterback. A lot of it is about time and place. Look at Josh Rosen. A lot of people thought he was the most prepared quarterback in that draft class with Baker Mayfield, with Josh Allen, with Jackson, with Sam I am, the highly touted group. Look what happened. Wrong team, wrong time, released again, this time by the 49ers. Uh, I think that's his fourth team. I think. Who am I leaving out? Cardinals, Miami, somebody else, and now the Niners. Who am I missing? But that's just a perfect example. And he's 2018. Released again. Cardinals, Dolphins, Bucks, and 49ers. Bucks. I left out the Bucks. Sorry about that. But that's how it can be. Now, I didn't think Josh Rosen was the best one of that group. I think Josh Rosen was uh, athletic enough. I didn't think he was strong enough. Uh, I thought he was injury prone. Maybe the best prepared in terms of knowing how to stand in the pocket and throw and brittle at UCLA. His career is over. Unless a minor miracle, revitalization, reclamation project, where he finds his spot and gets a chance to play and suddenly in a good with players, all of a sudden, Josh Rosen has a rebirth. It's possible as long as he's healthy. Highly improbable. Highly improbable. I mean, we're not even talking about a backup It's three years ago. It's three years. He doesn't have a place. It would be one thing if he was at least holding a clipboard as the guy that has some playing time because of injuries to the starter. He got thrown in here and there, but he didn't even get to that point. I mean, you may get damn good money being a backup quarterback. We talk about that all the time on the show. That's the dream. If you're bringing up your kids, clipboard and baseball hat. Yeah. Or be, be the holder. Be a Mark Brunel. That's the way to do it. Clippers. Cliff Stout, Pittsburgh Steelers. Look great on the sidelines. Backing up Terry Bradshaw. Got the rings. Okay. Yeah. Tall. You got the stories. Looks good. The baseball hat. You sign off. Got the clipboard. Always ready. On the headset on. That's, that's always on. That's right. Always talking to the guys upstairs. You get beer in your hometown where you played for your the rest of your life. Oh, we remember you. Yeah. Remember that one game? They threw you in there. We were up three touchdowns. You threw for another one at the end. Loved it. And if you, and if you play bad, 
if you don't play very good, well, what do you expect? He hasn't played all year. The guy's cold. Got to give him a hurt. Yeah. Comes off the bench cold. Come on. What do you expect him to do? It's a win-win situation. Oh, well, you it's don't want. Everybody wants to be in, in terms of it's the greatest comfort zone in the sports. You can't have the devastating early season injury, though, where you then have to become the guy for the rest of the year. That's not what we're looking no, for. No, no, no. You don't want that. For. You don't want that. It's not getting you're not getting paid away. enough. You're not, you're not getting paid enough for that. I'm not trying to play. <laughs> I'm not trying to be out there actually having to do something in meaningful games. I'm good here. No. I'm good here. Look what I'm seeing when I'm looking at the iPad, and let's compare notes. Maybe I'll catch something you missed. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I like you. Do not get nearly excited. Well, you know, again, so many people. I'm sure you're you're in the fantasy world as well. You know, it, it's become fantasy has become so dominant now that you know, you've got your all day fantasy show uh, all over ESPN, which is t- literally 24 hours. Uh, men, women, and children, uh, of which I am none of the. So that the 17 games, everybody gets excited about the extra game. Everybody gets excited about just seeing it again, being able to gamble on it again. It, and now the interest is even greater because, you know, again, old report, we, we weren't able to bet on quarters. We, were able, we weren't able to go in after a bet looked like a loser, call up and place another bet on the same game. We couldn't do that. Well, now the way you can bet now, come on, I can't get enough games. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So if I'm a sick gambler, I mean, man, kick it off, but I'm betting. I'm not betting the game. I'm betting the whole game. Gotta love it. From your couch, depending on where you're at in this great country. Unfortunately, not in the state of New York yet, but cross your fingers. We'll get there. From your couch, you could bet whether the next play is going to be a run or a pass, Al. You just have to hope that your cable is up to speed with the actual game because the app's now waiting around for your feed to catch up. You got to be careful. But you could bet the whole game is, is absolutely right. Preseason or not, you could have bet the prop that I believe DraftKings was throwing out tonight, Patriots and Eagles to both score in the first half, and you would have lost because the Eagles didn't score at all. But the Patriots scored plenty. They did. The under hit, too. The under is 15-3. and three. If you're looking to bet something, you degenerate preseason gamblers 15 and three the under so far this preseason take a look at that let's take a quick break to pay the bills he's al renato i'm john lunn we'll be right back with the new report old report here on sports radio america we welcome you back i'm john lunn he's al renato and this is the new report old report you talk about the backup role i mean the Switch got flipped so quickly from we're drafting this guy in X round at X draft pick because we think he's the future of our team, but not yet. We are drafting him because we have X quarterback and we want him to learn from X quarterback for several seasons. He's young, he's raw, etc. But once he learns our system, And once he's able to get reps in practice and seeing what quarterback X currently does near the end of his career, we feel that the gentleman we drafted 
will be our next franchise quarterback. And that was the way to do things. Now it's we've drafted quarterback X as the first pick of the draft because he needs to be our quarterback tomorrow. We're not waiting. We're going to pretend we're going to say, well, we're going to see there's still going to be a quarterback battle in camp and you rattle off all that nonsense before the season starts when everybody and their mother knows that the number one draft pick is going to be the quarterback on opening day. And if he's not, the fans get pissed. What would you draft this guy for if he's not going to play? What are you waiting for? We can't afford to lose in the first couple weeks of the season. Put him in. See what he can do. And if he can't do it, get rid of his ass. He's got two or three years to prove himself. Run him out the door if not. I don't know when this happened, but it feels like it was just one day. This, this is how it is. And this is going to be the discussion with the guys drafted in the first 15 or however many picks that we rattled off when the draft happened. Trey Lance. Well, think, Wilson, about the, think about the car. Think about the Cardinals. They drafted Josh Rosen as part of the quarterback class of 2018. Correct. Yeah, I believe so. I get my years confused. 18, 19, 20, 20, 18, 19, 20, 30, third year, one, two, three, or was it 17? Maybe it was 17. All the quarterbacks. All the quarterbacks, did they just finish their third year or their fourth years? Jackson. It was 2018, Josh Rosen. Okay, with Jackson. Okay. And and with Baker and with Darnell, et cetera. So two years later, they draft the Heisman Trophy winner. And we got a new quarterback in the the kid from Oklahoma. So that's how quickly it can change. It's out of the game. Over. Done. History. Was it even? Wait, wait. Again, I messed up with you. Was it the next year? 18, 19. Yeah, they drafted Murray in 19. Murray lasted a year. I'm sorry, Murray was the next year. Almost positive. She won the Heisman Trophy in 19. Yep. And if, if, if Rose was drafted in 18, they, they, they waited all the way until the next season. To draft first the quarterback. Overall. First overall, first overall. we got a new guy. And then we're shipping you out That's to the Dolphins. That's how impressive we were with Josh Rose. That's how quickly it can change. And it's not you're going to the Dolphins to be the starter. It's you're going to the Dolphins to play behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, and, and then and then you're going to be behind the guy we drafted, Alabama, who's already in trouble there. <laughs> you know, with, with, with all, all the eyebrows raised about arm strength, and you're throwing balls into crowds, and you know, can he stay healthy? Uh, so uh, the Chargers still. So you know, did they make the wrong pick? It, it's become. So critical to your franchise. Why? Because the game has changed so much. The powers that be want offense. They know the fans like offense. I mean, a lot of the fans like hard-hitting defense. But you can't have the kind of defense that we used to have. Too many guys get hurt. Too many guys get debilitated. Too many guys lose their careers. So instead, let's make the game healthier and more fun to watch and by doing so, less defense, more enforcement of rules against dangerous, rightfully so. Some of those ass not get fall on top of a quarterback. Come on. 
can't land on to push in the envelope a bit much. But the, the point being, the game has obviously become much more offensive oriented, which means throwing the ball, which means quarterbacks are more required with skill sets unlike never before because you're playing against better athletes even though they can't do what they used to do under the rules they still have the athleticism to run to cover to scheme to deflect to intercept to blitz to sack to make your life miserable a bigger and faster and stronger than ever so you have to be quicker than ever in terms of your release. You have to be smarter in terms of your reads. And you have to be more accurate in terms of your throws. Now, not as accurate in my mind as you used to have to be because they talk about all these windows now. Maybe it's for the schemes with the zones and the cover twos, et cetera. But you allowed for much tighter coverage before the rule changes. Guys, we, we see guys running free all the time. Why? Because you can't bump them. You can't touch them. You can't chuck them. After the five yards, you touch him, you land a glove on. It's penalty. Familial contact, 25 yards across the field on third and 15. Most frustrating penalty in sports. But the point is, uh, yes, you have to be accurate, but I don't know if you have to be any more pinpoint than you had to be in my younger days. And even when you were younger and you saw the game was played with more ability of the defenders to cover, which meant smaller windows to throw the football. Uh, but you still have guys... You know, there, there was no such thing as a back shoulder throw years ago. That was a bad throw that was behind the receiver. You always threw it out front to the sideline or if he was running a post to the middle of the field. Back shoulder throws were, were non-existent. They were bad throws. Made him turn back for the ball. Now it's done on purpose because it's away from the defender. It's planned. That's an accurate throw now. That's a tough throw to make. That's a throw everybody has to be able to make. So the, the multitude of throws has grown from as the game has evolved into more pass-oriented. But the point is that the position is not just one of field general anymore. It's one of the guy who not only runs your offense, but the guy who has to make the plays in your offense because the ball's touching his hands on every play and it's not going to the workhorse running back anymore. We want to get it down the field. And how do we get it down the field? you got to throw it. And you've got to make sure that you read the defense properly, you read the protections properly, you have your protections in the proper scenario, and you know where your receivers are going, you're conscious of your routes, you're conscious of your reads, and you got to make the throws because there's not a lot of second chances. You don't want to leave the field. In this day and age, you want to stay on the field. How do you stay on the field? By throwing the football down the field for first downs and for touchdowns. And that's why you've got to have one now. You've got to have one who can play. Right away. It's like Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, you have to sh- to be good in Major League Baseball, you got to have an all-around shortstop that can play. Look at all the good teams. To be good in football, you got to have an all-around quarterback who can play. you got to have a quarterback who can play. you got to have a quarterback who can lead your team and make the throw. And make the throws when it counts. Make the big throws when it comes. Kind of a shortstop, kind of a quarterback. And you don't have the luxury as you once did back 
this example being when the quarterback was able to spend a couple years on the bench. When Tom Brady took over for the Patriots, they didn't suck. He was able to use the run. He was able to throw those little dinky passes east and west instead of north and south because the defense was so damn great. Just don't turn the ball over. Do your thing, Tom. Well, now you don't have that because the team you get drafted to is shitty for a reason. Similarly, Ben Roethlisberger's Pittsburgh team that beat Seattle in one of the worst Super Bowls of all time and and maybe the worst officiated Super Bowl of all time in which Seattle got totally screwed, but that's for another day. He, He did nothing. Did nothing in that Super Bowl. And that was a team that was running the football and a team with defense. And very similar to the first time around for Brady and the Patriots. Bledsoe gets hurt against the Jets. We're going with Brady. Bledsoe doesn't get hurt. We have no 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 way of knowing what would happen. But they made the playoffs, they won the Super Bowl, maybe, maybe not. Would Tom Brady be Tom Brady? No idea. No freaking idea. None. Take one link out of the chain. Everything in succession can change. Change one twist of fate, one piece in the puzzle. Everything different. We have no idea. Tom Brady could have been a backup for him. They win a Super Bowl with Drew Bledsoe. Tom Brady stays the backup, winds up getting traded. Another franchise. Who knows? It's crazy to look at. And you could do it with every quarterback, really, that's come out of the draft for the last decade or so. The what could have been's, the teams that passed on X, Y, and Z quarterback because they thought they had their guy at a completely different position. We'll talk about Mitchell Trubisky till the end of time and who the Bears passed up. Hopefully now that'll be rectified now that they have Justin Fields, they hope. But that's just the way these drafts go. It's not easy to just find the guy, no matter where you're See, the problem. The problem the Bears have is... You know, everybody's going, Andy Reid was a stroke of genius. You know, he, he saw Mahomes. Nobody else saw him. You know, Mahomes was not some comet across the sky in college. He put up mammoth numbers in college. They just weren't very good. You know, they were in that, in, in the 12, everybody throwing the football all over the field. And his team couldn't stop anybody. So he threw six touchdowns and they, and they lose by two. You know, they lose to Oklahoma 61 to 45. What a massive numbers attack. It's a wonderful player, wonderfully athletic, but, you know, kind of under the radar because they were an average college football team. And in the meantime, they wouldn't take nearly as much heat if they took Trubisky over Mahomes, if Trubisky was a player that everybody, you know, thought was the guy to take. But Trubisky had, you know, one real year of college football under his belt at North Carolina. At that North was the Carolina. big problem. Exactly. That, well, 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 one big year of football under his belt at North Dakota State. Trade up to get him. It's true. Sound familiar? It's a good point. Sound familiar? Thus my knock on Trey Lance. You traded up with equity. You didn't have to collateral. You didn't have to give up to get him. You don't have to give all that up. Nobody's taking him there. 
Nobody's taking him there. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And they did the same thing with Trubisky. And they paid the price. Now, this, they were just lucky. You know, because they get a stylish, top-flight college quarterback without being a team that drafted high because they were off. Middle of the pack with extra wild card teams, makes the playoffs, sees this opportunity, and seizes it. They trade up and boom. Seven picks, 17 to 10, was it? The seven spots, eight spots, to get something they've sorely needed for an incredibly long time. No disrespect intended to uh, all former back quarterbacks, including uh, you know, the great Jay Cutler. So the Bears strike it rich, I think, in a draft of obviously dominated, of course, as usual by quarterbacks, but getting a guy that I just was confounded that was still there for the guys that were taken out of. Guys with less experience, except for Lawrence, less experience, and far less, far less. And not at Ohio State, mind you. BYU and North Dakota State. You passed on fields for a kid from North Dakota State. And for that matter, BYU. I still think the Jets should have taken fields also. The dominant nature of the position has really taken over the sport, whether you're or whether you're talking about the veterans. Because we're not talking about the battle of the quarterbacks and who's going to be the first-round pick. We're worried about Dak Prescott's shoulder. We're worried about Aaron Rodgers' psyche. We're talking about how Father Time just keeps losing to Tom Brady. We're wondering if Josh Allen could take yet another step up. We're hoping that the kid in Cincinnati can somehow, some way get back to 100% off last year's terrible injury. We're curious about the Browns and shake and bake. Are they really going to be really good now? Is he going to take the next step? Is a mercurial wide receiver ever going to just, just play and not be a, a soap opera star? Will my team, with their incredibly gifted and athletic quarterback, take the next step in the playoffs with him improving in the postseason and showing he can throw the ball down the field? Or will it be same old, same old for Jackson? Will it be regular season, difficult to stop running, beat up the bad teams against the teams they have time to prepare? Make them throw it outside the numbers. Can't get it done. Need to make a big throw in a big spot. Make a bad decision. Not make a problem. Read. Try and force a ball. Big turnover. Like I said, I still think they win. I still think they win that game last year against the Bills. If it's not a, if it's not you know 103 yards, it's got a field goal there. I think they win the game. But he commits the worst, the unforgivable sin. He gives away points. That turns into an instant seven points. In the other direction. There's no worse thing a quarterback can do. And he has a more season where your season's over. I guess the team I thought they were better than. Can Jackson 
take the next step. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And last but not least, will everybody's favorite young superstar come back healthy off his first surgery and lead his Super Bowl in a fourth straight one, two, Super Bowl three, and potentially a fourth straight conference championship? When was the last time a quarterback did even Brady go to four straight conference championships? We have to look that up. We have to look that up because you know, Mahomes has been in three, two wins, you know, and one and one in Super Bowls. So, so can he go to a four straight conference championship? That would be, you know, quite a feather in the case. Everybody got feathers in the caps, but that would be that would be very impressive, especially this year's AFC. AFC is going to be rough. AFC is rough and tumble everywhere you look. East, more balanced, maybe not better, but more balanced. No powerhouse, but more balanced. North, really balanced, really good, especially at the top. Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, I don't know. Since you were worried about the quarterback. South, quarterback issues. So that now is, is... not as strong as we thought it was going to be. Let's shift gears away from the NFL for a minute because well, while you trivia question first, I just scrolled what? briefly oh, okay. Tom All Brady's right. career. Okay, I figured let's just land at say the Super Bowl they lost to the Giants the second time. Okay, so in 2013, January 20th to be exact, your Ravens beat them 28-13 in the AFC championship game. The next season, they lost to the Denver Broncos, 26-16. The next 2013 season, was the Flacco Super Bowl. Yes. 2014, I'm sorry, 20, yes, 2014 was oh, Peyton Manning, Hall of Famer. Eh, big deal. In Denver, glorious every time they played in Denver. The next year, they beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, so they got to the championship game, obviously, against the Colts, 45-7. The following year, at Denver, Peyton Manning, 28 or 2018 loss again to Peyton. Suck it, Tom, in the AFC championship game. The next year, Pittsburgh, 36-17, to go and come back and beat the Falcons to win that Super Bowl. The next year, Jacksonville Jaguars. The Falcons, the gift that that just keeps on going. They should have some sort of asterisk here, like an italicized to let people know to click that game. They should put, they should just capitalize, they should put the Falcons in caps. Yes. Something needs to be. It was the Falcons, folks. It was the Falcons, remember? The Falcons. And the Seahawks game should have an asterisk by it as well for that Super Bowl, but we digress. Next year, 2018, they beat the Jaguars 24 to 20. Somehow the Jaguars made that run. Is that, is that seven straight championship games? Yep, we're still going, though. Still going. They lost to the Eagles. I guess he has played in four. Next year, they beat the Chiefs. That terrible false start call 
Then they beat the Rams in one of the ugliest Super Bowls you'll ever see. And then finally, yeah. in 2019, they lost to the Titans 20-13 to before he left for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So in the- from that Super Bowl, that's the streak. 2012 all the way to 2019. So the eight years. long answer is yes. He, he has played in four. He's played eight street cup championship games. Sweet mother of God. I had uh, you know, a loss to either Manning uh, and the Colts or the Ravens in a non-conference championship game. Well, there's the streak to start his career where they beat the Steelers 24-17 in 2002 to go on and beat the Rams 20-17. to The next year they beat Peyton Manning's Colts 24-14 and beat the Panthers 32-29. The next year they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 41-27, then went on to beat the Eagles 24-21 in the Super Bowl. The next year, they lose in the divisional round to the Denver Broncos, led by Mike Shanahan. And then next year, they lose to the Colts again, I believe, right? Yes. The next year, they lose to the Colts 38-34. Then it's the Giants' lost Super Bowl. Right, when the Colts the Super Bowl. Um, So so, he's a pretty decent quarterback is what we're getting. Yeah. He's not sitting on the sideline too long and and he's definitely played in four and he's definitely played in four in a row so while you were sleeping while you were running on this uh engagement tour up the east coast your baseball team simply refused to lose they took the red Sox out to the woodshed they have in six weeks or thereabouts Gained 11 games or thereabouts on the Red Sox. Where they're now ahead of them. They were 10 and a half games behind them. And yeah, they've gotten a little healthy. But for the most part, they're still doing it with a bunch of guys most people never heard of. They made the big deal at the deadline where they got Rizzo and they got Gallo, which was a huge boost because they get two much-needed and quality left-handed bats, not just left-handed bats, but quality left-handed bats to balance that all right-handed lineup. Gallo gives them an outfielder can play in all three positions. Rizzo gives them a leadership and quality for point out where Luke Voigt is back and screaming for playing time. But when you're hot and everything's going well, what do you see tonight? After he says, hey, you know, Rizzo's here, but I deserve to play. You know, I, I led the in home runs, you see them standing up next to each other against the railing in the midst of another Yankee rally for their, I guess, 87th consecutive win against the Twins in Yankee Stadium, something like that. That's what it feels like. They went tonight 7-4, Voight playing a part in it, and after saying, you know, I, I, I'm healthy, I'm swinging, I should be playing as much as he is. I know he's a new guy, and I know he's Rizzo, but I want to play. Well, they both played, and they're standing next to each other. So those are all good things for your New York Yankees who are simply on fire. And literally right now, they can do no wrong. It is plug and play. 
They're in one of those strings where whoever they put in and wherever they put them, they play great. This is flabbergasting. Is that the right word to use? I mean, there were moments on this show we weren't talking a lot of baseball because early in the season and we had the NBA going, you don't really need to dive too much into it. I mean, this was an unwatchable baseball team, Al. Just getting games ripped out of your heart night after night. If it wasn't the hitting blowing it, it was the pitching blowing it. Just losing, having the worst loss of the season be said like eight, nine, ten times. You couldn't watch it because it was just going to disappoint you and ruin your night. And I thought that was it. It's going to be one of these lost seasons. You're still going to turn it on come September and October and just have your heart ripped out night after night. Aaron Boone with his nerds up in the GM's office, front office, Brian Cashman pulling the strings of the lineup, making Joe Girardi's binder look like a small little pamphlet that you get at a museum compared to all the stupid analytics that they use on the team now. But at the trade deadline, they go out and make a couple moves, finally get lefties in that damn ballpark, and the, the switch just flips. Aaron Boone's making the right bullpen decisions. Guys are coming through at the plate. There's people, as you mentioned, that have to be playing now. A guy named Velasquez from the Bronx saving games. And they're still going to have to find where are they going to play several players once they come back from injury. It's going to be a log jam of who gets to play every night now. Now they got to figure out, well, we got to put Stanton in the outfield finally because Luke Voigt needs to hit. We got to sit Stanton down one night because maybe we want Brett Gardner slapping the ball around every once in a while. The net. The net. The absolute annoying net. When is he going to go away? What I can't understand is I watch Yankee games. Every time I watch a Yankee game, Gardner gets at least one or two big hits. And he's hitting 211. I'm like, what? what is it? He, every, every time I watch, he gets hit. Yeah. How's he only hitting 211? Middle of every rally. Everything's, you know, eight, nine, ten pitch at bats. How is he only hitting to 11? He's on base all the time. It's one of the reasons Yankee fans love him. He never, never gives you anything less than all his stat. Gives you a hard 90 all the time. Not the outfielder he used to be. But they've got options now. The only thing I'm worried about is if you're a Yankees fan or fans of several other teams that find themselves battling for the wild card, is it still early? you would have hoped that this happened and we're looking at September 19th instead to where there's not as much room for error and you could hopefully keep this hot streak up. You wonder if they can remain this hot. How long? Well, they can this they remain this hot. They remain this hot. They win 100 games. Because like we said, they're getting guys back eventually that were starters, everyday starters. Right. Now what? What buttons right, do you push right. to make that happen? I'd much rather have an embarrassment of riches. And, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's rewarding to paste it together and win. Absolutely. But in the long run, I'd like to have my guys. He's going to pretty much have a full compliment come the stretch drive. That's baseball. So we're intrigued. 
Cardinals are only four games back, I believe, in the wild card, so they're there. Miraculously, I mean, Al's despite, cursing more at them than I'm cursing at the Yankees currently. Despite right? the hit, despite the hideous Johnny Schmeller team present, doing absolutely nothing to help the offense at the trade deadline. All I wanted was one left-handed bat. One left-handed bat. All I wanted was Edward Escobar. It's all Edward Escobar. And of course, the, and of course, the Brewers get him for a bag of balls. Would have been a perfect fit. Spell first, spell third, spell second. Hideous Paul DeYoung. Top from both sides of the plate. A perfect fit. Guy to hit behind Arenado. Move on the other six. Break up the right-handed aspect of the lineup. Nope. Let Milwaukee get for an 18-year-old that no one's ever seen play and a 26-year-old outfielder catcher. That's what Milwaukee gave up to get Escobar. Free agent to be. Cardinals could have done. Cardinals could have matched. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. So your team is in the middle of the hunt. Now taking over the. Wild card spot, uh, five, five and a half after tonight's win yep. behind the swing and sway Tampa Bay, not Tampa Bay anymore, the swing and sway Rays, who just continue to do it with their youth and their lack of payroll. Boston now chasing you along with Toronto and the White Sox with a hand right home, Houston comfortable in the West with Oakland right now in the second wild card spot. Are the Mets dead? Oh, what a terrible stretch this is for them, scheduling-wise. I mean, you're you're just treading water trying to survive, and then they throw you the Dodgers and the Giants for two weeks. Good luck. Meanwhile, the Braves win every night. Every night. Freddie Freeman could wind up being the MVP again. Their star player goes down, they don't miss a beat. Their entire infield has 25 home runs plus. Their infield could all wind up with 30 home runs. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened. All those Colorado teams to nail all four infielders. The Dodger teams with Garvey, Lopes to share home runs and say, but no, Lopes never hit 30 home runs. I'm trying to think of a team that has had all four of its infielders hit 30 home runs. 25. That's your assignment, young man, because they're all going to hit 25 with Freeman and Albies and uh, Riley and the former first-round draft pick, Dansby Swanson, uh, overall first-round draft pick. In fact, they may all be there. I think Swanson might have 24. So they're all going to hit 25, and they could all hit 30. Amazing. Two for two tonight on finding these trivia answers during the show and making it seem just like flawless transitions. First of all, has anybody ever done it? And if so, you got to give me a hint on who it was. I'll give you the year first, and then we'll go from there. 2008. All four infielders with 25-plus home runs? Yes. 2008. A-Rod, Teixeira, Cheater didn't have 25 home runs. National League. The Phillies? Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins. That was Rollins' MVP year. The team enjoys... The second baseman. Winning Second championships baseman. and then completely the depleting their base. roster afterwards. Yeah, but they would be the Marlins, but they didn't win it then. The Marlins? They didn't win the championship, but they won this trivia question. The Marlins? The Marlins in 2000. Mar- let me see. 2008? The 2008 Marlins entire infield had 25 home runs plus? They missed 30 by one. Was Mike Lowell there? No. I'll start you off with the shortstop. 
to keep the show's theme. Hanley Ramirez was the shortstop. I forgot. First base, Mike Jacobs. Former Matt. Second base, Dan. Ah, Dan Ogla. Yes. Okay. Third, okay, one out of three. Now, third base was third the only base. guy to miss 30 because Hanley had 33. Ogla and Jacobs had 32. Wow. One gentleman had 29, and he said he felt the pressure to try to catch up to his teammate. Like racing for the record. Marison Mantle. McGuire and Sosa. Terrible. Short-term memory, man. Well, this is long-term memory, and I wouldn't have got this if you paid me millions of dollars. Jorge Cantu. Okay. I never thought he hit 29 home runs in a season. Wow. Of course, then again, I think, I, you know, I know Jacobs had a good home run years. I didn't realize Henry Ramirez, Henry Ramirez had that many home runs. That's got to be his career high in home runs. Cantu had two in his first season. This is with the Tampa Bay Rays. Then he hit 28. Okay. And then it goes 14, 29 in 2008. Then 16, 11, and 3. So he peaked at the right time for this sure. to all happen. Sure. How many Ramirez do you have? 35? 33. Okay. It's got to be a career high. It's an interesting stat for them to do it. You, would, you wouldn't think. So there you go. We learned something today in football with Tom Brady. We learned something with baseball. All we're trying to do here is teach you some things, have some fun, get through these dog days of August before your precious football comes back, people. And we'll talk about that for the hour, and you'll enjoy yourself. Before our young friends go back to school. Because we'd like to think that the new report has got an even newer report out there who thinks I am a super duper old fart. Not just the old report, but an incredibly, not just old, to some of these kids. Every report out there, you found the right place. It's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Great to have you back. Congratulations again. Folks, thanks for being with us until next week for my partner, the great John Tiny, engaged Lund. I am El Renato AQ for Help from White Plains. Have a great and safe sports week. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>